Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. All right, take your Bibles this morning and uh, turn to John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles with you today. John chapter 12, starting in verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus that had been um, uh, out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Lord, on this Palm Sunday morning, we just pray that God, you will take uh, this short message today to speak to our hearts, to minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. And thank you, God, that you can work mightily within our lives today by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In this portion of scripture, and by the way, um, Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19, all, all share as well the Palm Sunday account. The earthly ministry of Jesus at this point when Palm Sunday occurred is, is, is basically coming to a conclusion. All history had pointed to this event of the coming of Christ. In fact, Hebrews 9 says, Now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so all of history past was looking forward to this event. Jesus said in John chapter 12, he said, The hour has come. So the hour had come for him to be revealed. Galatians 4, Paul said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. First century Israel was chafing under Roman occupation at this point. There was a strong resistance movement called the Zealots. Um, But alongside of all that was happening politically within Israel, there was also this sovereign spiritual awakening that that was occurring. And God was using a young man by the name of John the Baptist And he was out in the desert and preaching. And as he was preaching, amazingly, people were were actually uh, looking forward to the coming of, of the Messiah and were experiencing an Old Testament baptism. In fact, historians tell us that possibly up to 20,000 people at a time were coming out to be baptized by John the Baptist. It was an amazing, amazing uh, national awakening. And during this time, Jesus is, is revealed at his own baptism, and we, we, we all know about that. He, he teaches with unprecedented authority. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him without measure. Demons and, and, and sickness and even the weather were all subject to Jesus. And now, now it's the time of the Passover. 
Jerusalem was normally a city of about 600,000 people, but Jerusalem is now bulging with some 2 to 3 million people. But Jesus is not in Jerusalem. Jesus is about 21 miles away and uh, across the Jordan. And there he's, he's preaching and he's ministering. And, and at that time, word comes to him concerning his good buddy Lazarus, who was sick. John chapter 11, the chapter before, tells us the story that Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was, was ill, he stayed two days longer. That doesn't make any sense to us. <laughs> Lazarus is sick. He's a personal friend of Jesus. And when Jesus hears that he's sick, instead of just picking up and telling his disciples, hey, we're out of here. We're going to take care of Lazarus. Instead of that, he stays two days longer. It's confusing. The silence of God is always confusing. <laughs> when we're looking for God's intervention and nothing happens, Mary and Martha, I'm, I'm sure we're under the impression that as soon as Jesus got the word, he would drop everything and come. And Jesus didn't do that. He stays days longer. We don't like this part of the story. <laughs> Lazarus, his condition work, worsens and and, and before long, his, his breathing becomes shallow. And, and all of a sudden, the breathing is no longer there and Lazarus dies. And shortly after that, there's a funeral. And, 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 and there's grief and there's loss and there's death and there's confusion and there's silence. And many of us have been there. God, where are you? We thought you would show up. We're in the midst of crisis. What's going on? Where are you, God? Elizabeth Elliot, when her husband Jim died in 1956, many years ago, um, he, along with, 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 with uh, four other guys, and uh, trying to uh, reach the Yaka Indians, and they were horribly massacred, she said, I had to face up to the fact that in those stunning losses that God was indeed sovereign. True faith is operative in the dark. I want you to hang on to that. True faith is operative in the dark. If we have explanations... If things are simple and clear, there's not much need for faith. I want to read a scripture for you this morning because Paul deals with this whole subject in Romans chapter 8. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then he lists a number of things. Why? Because the questions raise in our mind, does God love us? Does God love us? When there is tribulation and distress and persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. But Paul says in all, the, all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And so we know... <laughs> that the love of God had not abandoned Mary and Martha, had not abandoned Lazarus in their time of crisis. And God has not abandoned you 
in your time of crisis, in your time of great need. It may look that God is doing nothing, but I want to tell you today, the love of God is still very much in your life. Thanks be unto God. I'm so grateful for that. Jesus begins his Bethany to uh, his, his journey to Bethany. He passes through a city on his way. It's the city of Jericho. Mark chapter 10 tells us one of the stories concerning this. And, and, and we see that there's a guy in that city by the name of Bartimaeus. We know him as blind Bartimaeus. It's just another day of begging for Bartimaeus as far as he's concerned. He's alongside of the road, but all of a sudden there's this commotion and there's this noise and, and there's a crowd and, and, and all of a sudden he begins to hear that Jesus is there. And he can't believe it. His, his, his pulse rises as he begins to recognize here, here is this man, Jesus, who had, who had opened the eyes of the blind and he's a blind man. And hope begins to raise within his heart. And he begins to cry out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd around him literally tells him to shut your mouth. That's what it literally means in the Greek. <laughs> just, just be quiet. You know, you're causing a commotion here. But he wouldn't be quiet. He kept on crying out. Jesus, have mercy on me. He's desperate. Jesus Jesus comes and he says to him, call, call Bartimaeus to me. And, and, uh, and so the people say, okay, he's calling you now. And the scripture says that he threw off his cloak, which is a, which is a beautiful statement because the cloak recognized him as, a, as an official blind um, uh, person that could receive funds. And he threw off, he threw off, who he was as a blind person and came to Jesus. And as he's in the presence of Jesus, Jesus says, what do you want me to do? It's kind of an amazing question, isn't it? Because it was pretty obvious. And blind Bartimaeus says, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And the scripture says that immediately, immediately he was healed. Immediately he was healed. How many love immediately's? <laughs> I love immediately's. You know, Mark, Mark chapter 1 tells us that immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mark chapter 2, immediately he picked up his bed. Mark chapter 5, immediately her issue of blood was healed. Uh, again, uh, immediately the girl who was dead sat up. Now, now, I want you to understand that, that each one of these people that experienced immediately, it was preceded by a season of silence. It was preceded by a season where it seemed like God was doing, doing nothing. But all of a sudden, immediately, immediately, God intervened. What do you need God to do to, for you today? You might be here today and you need healing in your own body. You might be here today and you might be saying, well, I'm, I'm doing good, but man, I'm really concerned about a loved one or a friend of mine who desperately needs the touch of Jesus. If you're here today and you need the healing of Jesus or you want to stand on the basis of somebody else that isn't here today, 
and you want to believe God for their healing, I just want you to stand right where you are. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything else, but if you need the touch of Jesus, just, just stand right now. We want to pray for you. You know, when, when blind Bartimaeus said to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. You, you know what mercy means? It means compassion that is power. Now, if, if, if Pastor Mike would, I, I've been staying with them, and if he would have confided in me and said, you know, uh, we're in a million dollars in debt, and we don't know what we're going to do. I, I, I'd feel sorry for Mike. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't have mercy on him. Because I could feel sorry for him, but I, I have no power. <laughs> I have no power. But, but mercy is, is compassion that can do something. Mercy is compassion that has power. Those of you that are standing, I just want you to say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Lord, just raise your hand to the Lord. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> We can do nothing. We have no power in ourselves. But we believe in the power of Jesus. We believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. And I pray in the name of Jesus that all over this room there would be the manifestation of your healing power this morning, Lord. I pray you would heal sickness today, not only in this room, but possibly even thousands of miles away from us right now. On, on the basis of our faith, Lord, on the basis of our faith this morning, we are believing you for the touch of God. And I pray that in the days ahead, this church is going to have many testimonies of people who have experienced the manifestation of your healing power. And Lord, right now, we're just going to give you praise and glory for it. Would you just lift your voice to God in praise right now? Just, just begin to praise him for what he's doing for you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. I, just, just a couple more minutes here today. I'm not going to finish this message, but let me, let, me just, let me just share one more thing. As Jesus was going through the city of Jericho, there was another guy there. Now the crowd is huge <laughs> because of blind Bartimaeus being healed. The crowd is huge. And uh, there's a guy there by the name of Zacchaeus. He is the chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. Um, tax collectors were not allowed in the synagogue because they were considered to be so ungodly, so evil. It's interesting because his name literally meant pure and righteous one. When his parents uh, saw that little boy come into the world, their hope, their prayer was that he would be a pure and righteous one. He was just the opposite. In fact, his, mo his motto may have been the Roman statement, which was common in those days, money has no smell no matter what cesspool it's fished out of. That's what the Romans believed. And that's what, that's what Zacchaeus believed as well. So he climbs this mighty tree that was used for timber called a sycamore tree. And he's sitting up there and he's got a good, he's got the $50 seats and he's looking down and he sees, see, sees Jesus coming. And he's very fascinated by this. And as he's, as he's looking at all of this happening, 
All of a sudden, Jesus stops right underneath the tree. Zacchaeus probably almost falls out of the tree. And he looks up and he says, hey, buddy, come on down. I want to spend time at your house today. And everybody goes, oh, does he know who this is? <laughs> How many are glad that Jesus doesn't abandon us because we're sinners? He loves sinners. Jesus came to pay the price for sinners. He goes to the house of Zacchaeus, and all of a sudden, Zacchaeus speaks up, and he says, he says literally, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give half of my goods to the poor, and, and anybody I've defrauded, I'm going to pay them back four times more. What happened? What happened? There was a spirit of repentance that came upon him. He recognized his sin. And a spirit of repentance rested upon him. And in that moment, he repents from his sin. And Jesus proclaims, I'm sure with a huge smile on his face, today salvation has come to this house. Praise God. You're here today. As I wrap this up this morning, you're here today. And you need to repent. I'm going to pray for you right now. <laughs> I don't have to be prophetic in saying there's people in this room that need to repent. <laughs> How many times have I had to repent? Over and over and over again. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a spirit of repentance that would fall in this house this morning. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, a spirit of repentance. And I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But if you're here today and you're saying, Dave, I need to repent, just, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. All over this place, there's hands. Yes. And, and you know how many times I've had to join you. I've had to raise my hand and say, God, I've blown it. But I am so grateful. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Right now, Lord, I pray for the cleansing of the blood of Jesus right now over this house. The cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Would you just say, Lord, I repent. Forgive me. I receive the grace of God in my life today. Thank you, Lord, I can walk out pure and clean. I can walk out free from my sin. Thank you for your grace in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.